1: Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy.
2: Movie therapy.
1: I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co author of How to Be Fine.
2: And I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and solid TV and movie recommendations for whatever ails you.
1: As usual, our disclaimer, Rafer, you and I are not real therapists, no. but we are real TV and movie critics. Yes. And one more disclaimer, Rafer just moved into a new apartment, which is very echoey. It's a, I'm
2: going to tell you, it's a pretty echoey room. Yes,
1: yes. So Rafer may sound a little bit different this week, next week, the next few weeks, we'll see. But with those disclaimers out of the way, Rafer, shall we get to this week's mailbag?
2: Yes. Calling our first patient Zen Aspiring Emily. I'm going to say that again. Zen Aspiring Emily. How do you like that? (laughs) We'll see why she calls herself Zen Aspiring in just a minute. But here's what she says. Dear Rafer and Kristen, I need your help. I'm about to go on vacation with my family to visit my in-laws. It seems even when I try to bring my best self, I always have tension with my sister-in-law. She can be a lot of fun, but she's also controlling. She gets jealous when we spend time with other members of the family. How can I relax and enjoy my vacation and not be on edge? How can I learn to accept my sister-in-law for who she is and just go with the flow? Do you have any movie or TV recommendations where a protagonist achieves zen-like tranquility and learns to accept a family member with a sometimes difficult personality? Thank you in advance.
1: Oh, zen-aspiring Emily, that. I'm sure a lot of people listening right now are saying, yep, that sounds like my family too. Yep, I have that one member of the family, that one in-law, that one person who every time we get together, I just think, ugh. You might be more trouble than you're worth, right? Or maybe not you, Rafer. I'm sure your family's perfect. <laughs> me, not me.
2: Both my family, every family is perfect in my situation, yes. Um, you know, I mean, listen, this goes not just for your in-laws. This goes for anybody. This goes for, you know, uh, your own relatives. This goes for uh, people you might be friends with. I mean, this could go for mm-hmm. just about anyone in your life, a, a co-worker, uh, all kinds of different things. Yeah, it's, um, it's very difficult. I personally am going to say, I don't know. I have my suspicions about Zen. I'm not sure if I'm. <gasps> I'm not sure if I'm down with Zen 100. percent
1: Ooh, do tell, Rafer, Do tell.
2: I don't know. This whole idea of rising above. Now, my my mom, who is uh, who is a Buddhist, I know that's maybe slightly different than Zen. I'm not sure what the differences there are on some of that stuff. I get them a little confused. But my mom, who is a Buddhist, you know, she and I have had this uh, discussion before. Where I kind of feel like. You know, rising above so that nothing bothers you, and you're not really—you know—everything just kind of flows past you, and you're not ruffled by that. I kind of feel like that sounds to me like death. What you're <laughs> describing there is a state of death. I'm talking about life. I want—I kind of want things to affect me. I kind of want to be bothered by things. I want to care. I don't know if I—I I don't know if rising above. I don't know. Anyway, my mom and I have had this discussion before, (laughs) but how do you feel about this, about the Zen-like tranquility option, Kristen? Well...
1: As you know, Rafer, I generally do try to, you know, look on the bright side and be jolly and assume the best in others. Uh, But even I have a breaking point where I'm like, I don't need to be Zen here. I just need to go on a walk. Right. I'll see you guys in a half hour. You know, it can be as simple as that. Yeah. Or maybe you can try saying, hey, you guys, why don't you guys continue this conversation? I'm going to go inside the house and do some dishes right now, (laughs) whatever it is. And I'm definitely that per I mean, my husband, Dean, and I've talked about this, that we are frequently the dishes people at parties where we're just like, see you later. Oh, <laughs> Sometimes you just need to do the dishes. I love
2: it. I, I like that. Next time I'm at your house, if one of you offers to do the dishes, I'm going <laughs> to know that I said something wrong. <laughs> I must have. I, I blew it. I blew it if that's the case.
1: Well, it's a low <sighs> conflict way to get out of a conflict. Yeah. That being said, if your sister-in-law is truly being unkind or possessive, I think you can try to address it diplomatically. You don't have to give her a lecture. Uh, You don't have to make her feel bad or put her down. You can just say, I love everybody here and I want to see everybody. Or there's enough of me to go around or something along those lines. I think that's true. Or even better, have your spouse address the matter because this is your spouse's oh. family, <laughs> right? That's
2: a good point too. I, yeah, look, you're not you're not wrong. That's true. That's true. Yeah.
1: So yeah, I, long story short, I agree with you, Rafer. Maybe we don't always need to be zen here. Sometimes it's okay to let yourself be mad and step away a little bit. Uh, and I may as well just say right now, that's kind of why I am prescribing the movie. I'm prescribing. Okay, let's hear it. It is called Psycho Sister-in-Law from Lifetime Television 2020, (laughs) currently streaming on Amazon Prime and elsewhere. I can see whose side you're on. Supposedly, it's even inspired by a true story.
2: Oh, (laughs) does it say at the beginning? (laughs) Inspired by a true story. (laughs) I always love that. (laughs) This happened to me.
1: So here's the story of Psycho's sister-in-law. After the death of their father, a half-sister who's kind of been forgotten and left by the wayside comes back into the picture is reunited with her brother, and her brother has a now-pregnant wife, and are they all going to get along? What's going to happen with the inheritance? Why was this long-lost half-sister gone for so long? (laughs) And is she really as sweet as she seems? Here's a clip. Hey, Nick, who is that? I think that's my sister. Zara. Hey,
0: it's me, Nick. Nick, hi, I am... Oh, I'm so
2: sorry. How are you holding up? I'm fine. This is my wife, Haley. Hi. Haley, hi. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Oh, when you're expecting. Congratulations.
1: Uh, thank you. Um, thank you for coming today. I, I have to admit, um, Nick has mentioned you over the years, but I was starting to wonder if you actually existed. Yeah, I was sort of starting to wonder if this side of the family knew I existed, too.
2: I think he, uh, he would have appreciated you coming.
1: Yeah, I just wish I hadn't been late. Oh, well, we're actually having a little memorial back at the house if you want to join us. Uh, Yeah, I I think I'd really like that. Thank you.
2: Yeah, yeah, come. Well, I'm just going to say something about the title, and I'm going to call that a spoiler alert. (laughs) It is called Psycho Sister-in-Law.
1: Hold on. Did I say which sister-in-law is the psycho, though?
2: Oh, Oh, hey. You're right. Could it
1: be, be the, the pregnant come. one? Could it be? And not the half-sister? Good point. Good we point. We don't know. I will, however, <laughs> tell you this. Lydia Hearst stars as the half-sister who comes back into the picture. I'm not sure if you're familiar okay. with the Hearst family, her mother, Patty Hearst. Oh, oh, that Hearst. Yes, yes. Oh, wow. Okay. A long-storied history of the Hearst family. Indeed. Granddad or great-granddad, the newspaper giant and yeah. so on. Anywho. Citizen,
2: Citizen Kane. Yeah.
1: Yes, that's right. That's right. And I got to say, Lydia Hurst is delightful in this movie. (laughs) She is so good at kind of being a sweetheart when she needs to be and maybe not in other situations being so sweet. And I think maybe... When you watch this movie, Zen-seeking Emily or Zen-aspiring Emily, I think maybe you'll watch this movie and maybe you'll just let yourself be a little irritated. Maybe you'll let yourself be a little angry. Maybe you'll let yourself think the worst possible thoughts about your sister-in-law. And then maybe after letting all those feelings happen – Maybe you will have a little bit more zen in your life. So
2: this is this is catharsis, is what you're is what you're prescribing here. Something cathartic,
1: exactly, Rafe. Okay, exactly. That that's why I'm prescribing it. And also, I think you'll just have a good time watching it. You'll just be laughing and rolling your eyes and really thinking, "Is that comb a weapon? Yes, that comb is a weapon, and so is that bedazzled belt."
2: No, come on, it, get, it gets gonna... to that to weaponized combs.
1: Oh, it sure does. Stay away from the bedazzled belt. Uh... stay away from that. <laughs> Don't go into the pool house.
2: Well, that could be a lot of movies. Why
1: are you going into the pool house? Uh, Yes, that's true. (laughs) I
2: love it. Okay. All right. Psycho Sister-in-Law. That's hilarious.
1: But, Rafer, I'm curious about what you're going to prescribe. You're a very thoughtful person. You're a very kind-hearted person. You are a little bit more sophisticated with your movie tastes usually. I am assuming you're going to come up with something a little bit more highbrow than Psycho Sister-in-Law here for uh, Emily.
2: Uh, Well... You know, and I—I I, I don't know if I tend to be more sophisticated. I tend to, I t- maybe, tend to be a little more serious at times. And I did—I did go a little bit on the serious side uh, with this pick. I chose uh, Manchester by the Sea. Ah, um, do you remember this movie?
1: I do. It was the movie where nothing good happens. <laughs> I guess that's kind of true. Oh, that's a lot of movies you like, (laughs) though, Rafer. That's (laughs) true.
2: That's true. Uh, Okay, I don't know if I would call it that, if I would say nothing good happens. Uh, Let me give you the story. Uh, It's the movie that had Casey Affleck. This was a big, big, big role for him. Uh, He plays a guy named Lee. He lives in Quincy, Massachusetts. Uh, I have a little connection to Quincy. My my wife used to work at the Quincy Patriot Ledger. Hmm. And I have a sister-in-law and... um, A niece? A niece-in-law? No. If it's my sister-in-law's daughter, is that just my niece? What do I call that?
1: That's your niece.
2: Just niece. Just plain old niece. Okay. So I have a sister-in-law and a niece. She's your niece. They both live in Quincy, so we see them fairly often. We spend some time in Quincy. Anyway, Lee is a janitor in an apartment building in Quincy, and he's a, a very asocial type. He doesn't really talk to anyone. Doesn't like it when people talk to him. Um, Sometimes the women in the building try to hit on him. He doesn't like that either. He just wants to fix your goddamn toilet and get out. None of this hitting on me crap. He just wants to keep to himself. Well, Lee has a brother, uh, or at least had a brother, in Manchester-by-the-Sea, not too far away. Lee's brother dies, rather suddenly, young, of a heart attack, and he leaves behind a teenage boy, Patrick, played by Lucas Hedges, and Patrick now that his father is gone, kind of has no one. Yes, he's got a mom, but she's not a real possibility. She's a former drug addict. Now she's born again. She's kind of off in her own world. She's got sort of a controlling boyfriend. She just doesn't seem like a great option. He's really just got Lee, uh, this guy who he doesn't really know, this antisocial janitor from a few towns away. And so Patrick is thinking that, you know, maybe Lee will take him in and then And he'll have a family again. Well, Lee had a family once. They used to live in Manchester by the Sea. That family is gone. Uh, It did not end well. And Lee just isn't sure if he can move back to this town and start a new family. And here's a clip.
0: Hello, this is Lee. What happened to my brother?
2: So that's Lee Lee Chandler.
0: I don't understand.
2: Which part are you having trouble
0: with? Well, I can't be his guardian.
2: Well, your brother provided for your nephew's upkeep. I think the idea was that you would relocate.
1: Relocate
2: to where? Well, if you here? look, it was my impression that you'd spent a lot of time here.
1: I swear. I'm just a backup.
2: Lee, nobody can appreciate what you've been through. And if you really feel you can't take this on, you
1: yeah, know, that's your right. <sighs> like I said Rafer nothing good happens in this movie listen to that sadness listen to that heaviness oh my god
2: I don't I don't know if I'd call this movie um heavy it's not like some of the other movies that i prescribe, prescribed which are which are you know kind of heavy I I I think it is a I think it's kind of a deep movie though the guy who, uh, the writer-director is Kenneth Lonergan. He's a great screenwriter. He did uh, Gangs of New York for Martin Scorsese. He did Ca- You Can Count on Me, a movie that we've prescribed here on this podcast. Mm-hmm. He won the best screenplay for this. Casey Affleck won best actor. Lucas Hedges was nominated. Uh, movie got nominated for best picture. It's a great uh, acting job from Affleck. There's a scene in this movie um, where he is drunk and he's picking a fight at a bar. And it's it's the best example of that which I think we've all seen in movies where you know guys get drunk and then things get out of control and those scenes are always kind of a little they feel a little forced a little contrived they're never that believable this was the most realistic cringe inducing guy getting drunk in a bar scene that I've ever seen I think it's the reason Affleck got the Oscar but the reason I'm recommending this is because Patrick this teenager wants Lee to be a father figure and Lee is trying um and in some ways you could say there's no real reason. There's no physical uh, sort of obstacle in anything that's really stopping him. But sometimes it's just not that simple. And sometimes people just kind of can't be who you want them to be, even when they ought to be. And you just kind of have to accept them for who they are or accept that that's the case. And that's about... That whatever these people are good for, that's about all they're good for. And you just got to try to do your best and take them for what they are. And that's kind of the end of it. So I know that's not a Zen lesson necessarily, but I think uh, that's just kind of how people are, I think. And that's a movie that I think this lesson teaches very well.
1: I think that is a very Zen lesson, Rafer. I mean, maybe it is.
2: Maybe you're right.
1: Yeah. I think, isn't that what being Zen is? It's like the only thing I can really change is myself.
2: Yeah. Acceptance. Okay.
1: And everything else it's out of my hands, right? It's it's about accepting things. I don't want
2: to be Zen though. God damn it.
1: (laughs) So maybe, Rafer, you're way more Zen than I am. I'm like, no, have the whole fantasy. With the bedazzled belt and the comb as a weapon. Have that fantasy. Do the whole thing. And then uh, maybe watch Rafer's movie, right?
2: <laughs> well, we've given uh, Zen-aspiring Emily two very, very different <laughs> uh, choices. <laughs> She's got two good options to choose. Uh, from me, Manchester by the Sea. And from you, Kristen, Psycho's sister-in-law.
1: Yeah, maybe the title does give it away. Anywho, we're going to take a quick break. <laughs> but before we do, do you need some movie therapy? Visit our website, raferandkristin.com, and fill out the contact form there. You don't have to use your real name. And while you're there, check out our prescription pad where we list every movie and TV show we've ever prescribed on the show.
2: When we're back, we will tackle a letter from someone who is newly retired. We're back with our second letter of the week. Kristen, what does our second patient have to say?
1: Our second patient is named Amy, and Amy writes, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I love your podcast, and Kristen, I've been a fan since when Megan met Harry. Oh my gosh, that's years ago. Thank you so much, Amy. I'm so glad I have found this podcast as well. I am seeking some advice because my husband and I have just retired, and we're facing the what next question question. We're also adjusting to being around each other 24-7 after 30 years of marriage, two kids, and two jobs. We are privileged enough, and I'm using that term on purpose, to not need to work. But that creates even more options for ways to fill our days. Too many choices is how we're feeling right now. Any movie suggestions to help us through this moment? Thanks so much.
2: Well, it sounds like a good spot to be in, frankly.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The world is your oyster, Amy.
2: Yeah, no more kids, no more jobs. Good grief. That sounds like, I don't know, sounds like being single again. Sounds like being, being, (laughs) I don't know, that sounds sounds great. Um, I guess I understand this idea of too many choices. You do have that phenomenon they call uh, option fatigue, right? Where you kind of have so many choices, you don't know what to do. And then you pick one, and you're not satisfied, because what about all those other things you could have picked and blah, blah. But um, I don't know me, I would take too many choices over too few any day. What about you, Kristen?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And the great thing is the point in your life you're at now, Amy, you can try a choice. And then if you don't like it for very long, try something else. It sounds like you're in a financial position and that you have enough time on your hands that if something doesn't work out, that's fine. I tried line dancing for two weeks. It wasn't my jam. Okay, now I'm going to go and get a Winnebago and travel across the country for a month. Nope, I don't like the Winnebago life. Now I can try this. I mean, there are all the options out there and all the time to do it. And uh, you're going to have a great time. You're going to have such a good time trying new things, meeting new people and, you know, letting it go if it's not a fit, you know? You don't have to do it forever if it's not a fit. Did you try line dancing, Kristen? Oh, no, but it's on my list. I would like to at some point. <laughs> there are all sorts of things I want to do when I'm retired. I mean, I think I've talked with you about this off my Rafer, but I uh, dream of living in a retirement community like my mother-in-law. She lives in this retirement village in New Zealand where there are all these houses and all these apartments, and then there's a lodge. And the lodge has... <laughs> The swimming pool, the lodge has the library, the lodge has the hair salon and activities every day like Mahjong, and they have a Friday night happy hour, but you're only allowed to have two drinks because some people try to abuse the privilege. And I'm like, yeah, I would be the one abusing the privilege on Friday nights there. (laughs) And. And they have lawn bowls. They have they have all the activities. I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to do. They have a bus that goes into Christchurch several times a day. So you never have to drive if you don't want to. I'm like, yeah, this seems like a really good life to me. Kristen,
2: I'll visit you, but I'm not going any place that cuts me off after two drinks.
1: (laughs) That's the free drinks. After after the free drinks you have to pay. Oh,
2: I see. <laughs> oh, Kristen, you're going to have a great time. You're going to have a great
1: time. You've got to... You, oh, I'm looking forward to it.
2: That's a great attitude. <laughs> All right. So, Kristen, what are you going to recommend for uh, for Amy with Too Many Choices?
1: Well, I feel like you should start since we were just talking about life in a retirement community.
2: Okay. Well, that's a, that's a good point. I can start. I, I mean, this is going to be a little bit of an obvious choice, but you know, part of the problem is we've recommended a lot of films involving um, retirement on this podcast. I was kind of surprised to go back and realize that we've never prescribed the best exotic marigold hotel, Uh, kind of the now the kind of classic retirement movie in a way, right?
1: Yeah, and the ultimate retirement village, right? I mean, you're in beautiful (laughs) India. Dev Patel is there looking adorable. You're with every like Oscar (laughs) nominee of all time. You're eating exactly. great food, you're wearing great clothes, you're in a great setting. Like who wouldn't want to retire in that village, right?
2: Totally, totally. Yeah. Uh well that yeah, that's basically it. Um Kristen has just described the story, a quote-unquote story of this movie. Uh, there, <laughs> there really isn't one or rather I guess you could say there's a lot of little stories. But yeah, that's it. It's about it's about a bunch of senior citizens from England um who uh, from different parts of England. They don't really know each other when they come together and they come to stay at this retirement home in India called the Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Uh, uh, yes, run by Dev Patel, being very Dev Patel. And so basically what you've got here, like Kristen was saying, is um, a, a cast of characters played by really like the best actors in the world. Here, here's a brief rundown. First of all, Judy Dench not playing a queen for once. She's a <laughs> widower. She's a little short on cash. And so that's why she decides to come and stay in India where you get a little more bang for your buck. Or pound, excuse me, and then you've got Bill Nye and um, Penelope Wilton, who uh, many people <laughs> might not be familiar with, but she's a great actress. Uh, they play the Ainsleys. They just sank a bunch of money into their daughters' their daughter's startup, and that went bust spectacularly. And um, so they're sort of recovering from that. He's a really nice guy. She's a real sour puss. Maggie Smith, the great Maggie Smith, as a woman who's there because she needs a hip operation. Tom Wilkinson, one of my favorite actors. He's a former high court judge. Celia Imrie, also a lesser known name, playing sort of an an aging gold digger. And then there's a guy named Ronald Pickup, who um, is kind of the last on this list. Um, And I wanted to sort of take a moment to mention him because he's so good in this movie. And I don't think anyone really knows who he is in America He had a long career in England. He was actually part of Laurence Olivier's Olivier's Theater Troupe, which kind of shows you how far back he goes. And he plays a guy named Norman Cousins, who is this aging Casanova, you know, seen better days, a little rumpled and greasy, but he's still got charm and he's still got moves and you can't take that away from him. And I think he's he's like the best character and one of the best performances in this movie. Anyway, here is a clip. Come
1: and spend your autumn years in an Indian palace.
2: This is the day. It's a luxury development where all the residents are in their golden years. Like the coast of Florida? Yeah, but with more elephants.
1: Flight 247 to Delhi is boarding now.
0: Is this your first time in India?
1: Yes. Do you think we'll be all right?
0: It's going to be extraordinary.
2: Welcome to the Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. <laughs> Prepare to be a oh,
1: Just makes me want to retire, Raper. Let's go there and retire. <laughs> Kristen, you are... Grab Anne. I'll grab Dean. Let's retire at the Best Exotic Marigold oh my Hotel. Let's God, do it. You're
2: so, I'm, I'm jealous. I'm jealous of this positive attitude of yours toward retirement. I'm scared to death of it myself. But uh, listen, I understand. I understand. It's good that you're going in with a positive attitude. And, and I do think that's one of the things I like about this movie. Um, you know... There- there is something a tiny bit problematic about the movie. Did you find that when you were watching it? it
1: oh, absolutely! Yeah, I'm like, oh, right? look at all these white people going to India to be saved. <laughs> I know. Look it's... at the wisdom they're going to glean from the Indians, or are they really going to be teaching the Indians something? Right. Oh, yeah. There's lots of problems. I'm not saying <laughs> yeah. it's a perfect movie, and it does make me itchy occasionally. Yes, but... <laughs> that's
2: a, yes. That's a good. That's a very good way of putting it. Um, yeah, but you know, you do have this movie um, that. Again, the acting is really lovely and the characters are, are, I think, um, pretty nicely written and they're all very strong, believable characters. So, yeah, it's a bit of a soap opera, but it's about all these people in post-retirement looking to make a change. Uh, You know, some of them want to change. Some of them are forced to change. Um, Some of them are, I guess you'd say, kind of... uh, uh, compelled to change by something inside them, you know, and here's a whole new chapter of life for everyone involved, and things don't go the way they expect, and they are off on this adventure. In a lot of ways, I think it's it's a very corny, very sugary movie, but it's also very sweet, and it's very uh, upbeat, I think. It's an extremely light lift, and it's about you know, people taking a chance and uh, seeing what happens after a certain age. And so I thought maybe that might give our listeners some ideas.
1: Oh, I think that's a great recommendation, Reefer. And it's also just a very pretty film. I want to yes, point out how pretty is. the movie is. Yeah. It's beautiful to look at.
2: Yeah. Beautiful colors in that film. You're right. You're right. Okay. So Kristen, what about you? Your, yours is not uh, about a retirement home?
1: No. Well, not exactly. It's about a house. Where four women live together. Yes. And every time I watch them, I say, Thank you for being a friend. That's right. <laughs> I am talking about the Golden Girls, which, by the way, I am shocked I have not prescribed on this show yet because I'm shocked. Too. I talk about the Golden Girls all the time, but I looked back on our prescription pad. We've yet to prescribe the Golden Girls. It ran from 1985 to 1992. It is one of the greatest shows of all time snappiest writing. It still holds up. Anytime I watch it, I'm like, man, that's very clever. Or every once in a while, I even think, how did that air on prime time? That is a little too racy. They have a lot of... S- yeah, they do get a
2: little racy on Golden Girls. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. A lot of sucks jokes. A lot of things that as a little kid, it went over my head. And now as an adult, I'm like, did they really just imply that? Yeah. What? <laughs> what? Anyhow, I'm sure everybody knows what the show is, but if you don't, the Golden Girl centers on four older gals living together in Miami and experiencing the joys, the ups, the downs, everything of their golden years. We have, of course, the very strong Will Dorothy played by B. Arthur. We have the naive and optimistic Rose Nyland played by Betty White. We have the very sultry, sexy Blanche played by Rue McClanahan. She's a Southern belle who loves men. And of course, we have the matriarch of the group, Dorothy's mother, Sophia Petrillo, played by Estelle Getty. And then there's a rotating cast of men who come in and out of their lives because they're constantly having affairs. And then Uh, neighbors, uh, people that they meet at their various jobs, their volunteer work, the other things that they do in life. And throughout it all, as I said, they remain friends. Here's a clip.
0: The man of Blanche's boudoir.
2: (laughs) It's a calendar. (laughs) Each month has the picture of a man who's brought some special joy into my life.
0: (laughs) lunch oh honey this is so
2: thoughtful whoa september yep i'm surprised you were able to walk in october you know two things strike me about the golden girls one is um b arthur was playing an older woman in the 70s and <laughs> mod. It it's it's like uh, it's remarkable that she that she uh, did that for so long, um, and she's great. Oh yeah. And then the other thing that I was thinking about while you were describing the show, which I was never a regular watcher of, but I would I would see it on television occasionally, and I, and I always had to admit that the lines were very very snappy and very funny. A lot of a lot of zingers in that uh, in that show. But but while you were describing it, I was thinking this is basically Sex in the City. These four characters, yes. right?
1: You're not the first person to say that, Rafer. For a lot of people, when I,
2: I'm sure I must not be. Yeah,
1: when Sex and the City launched, there were quite a few people who said, "This is just ripping off The Golden Girls." <laughs> Excuse me. I love
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny. I don't remember that, but it, it, it only occurred to me just now. Maybe I'm making an obvious statement there.
1: No, no, no. It's a, it's a good statement, though. I mean, but but I will say this. In my opinion, I think The Golden Girls holds up better than Sex and the City. Because every once in a while I'll watch reruns of Sex and the City now and I'm like I think they were trying to be uh, pushing the envelope, but they're actually kind of offensive right here. Whereas the Golden Girls never really offends me. It's just like this is hilarious writing.
2: Yeah, well the Golden Girls was was very, very um, it seemed to me it was very, very classic sitcom template. Yes. You know, I mean it was really all of, it was all about the, not I mean it was about the characters of course, but it, it really is about those zingers. It's about those that, you know, set up and punchline, set and punchline. And they're very good and very funny. And um, the older, the oldest of the of the four.
1: Sophia, yes. I mean, I do
2: remember her just being <laughs> she was just fantastic.
1: Oh my gosh. She had the kinds of lines that would just destroy everybody around her. Like Dorothy was salty, but Sophia, whoa. She had humdingers. Right. They were humdingers. And uh the reason I'm prescribing the show though is not just because it's hilarious or good writing. I it's because I think these four characters show so many different options of what you can do next if you want to. If you want to, you can keep working part-time while you decide what to do next, like Dorothy, who's a substitute teacher. You can be a volunteer like Rose. Rose does volunteer work. She occasionally works odd jobs. You can be like Sophia. She has all sorts of secret adventures. There's a whole episode of the show called The Secret Life of Sophia Petrillo, where you just see what she does when she's not with the girls. And it's (laughs) wonderful to see that she has her own private life that's not involving her roommates at all. Or you can be like Blanche. You can become a swinger if you want to. Get up to all sorts of sexual adventures, you know? Sure. Yeah. You can do anything you want to. The world is your oyster right now. Nobody is relying on you. Nobody is expecting anything of you. Your boss is not going to call you tomorrow and wonder where you are. Your kids don't need you to come home at night at this point. So experiment. Have fun. Be like the girls on the Golden Girls. Laugh a lot. Eat some cheesecake. Sit on the lanai. Make some mistakes. Put on a show. Dress up as a chicken. Do all the things the girls do. They do it all. You make it all sound so good, Kristen. Boy. Oh, my God. It's going to be so fun. I mean, I'm going to be like Dorothy, full disclosure. I don't think I'll ever stop working. I'll always work at least part-time. Yeah, I know. But yeah, I'm going to do all that other fun stuff. Absolutely.
2: All right. Well, then I think we've got two pretty good uh, recommendations. Uh, Kristen is recommending the Golden Girls, And I am recommending the Best Exotic, Marigold Hotel.
1: All right. We're going to take another quick break. But before we do, thank you to everybody who's given us those five stars in Apple Podcasts. And thank you also to the people who've reviewed us. For example, that movie girl recently gave us five stars and wrote, Their banter and friendship is a joy to listen to. Their amazing senses of humor keep me laughing. And their sincere care for their listeners and excellent suggestions keep me coming back. Oh, thanks, that movie girl. I like that name. Me too. I wonder if you're a fan of that girl. That's
2: what I was thinking. That TV show that I love so much. Marvel Thomas. Yeah, I know. I was thinking the same thing. So
1: cute. Love it. (laughs) Well, stay with us when we're back. We have our weekly What Should I Watch Next letter.
2: That's the IGN Daily Update, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: We are back with our What Should I Watch Next letter of the week. Rafer, take it away.
2: All right. This one comes from Diane. Diane says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I have a confession. Despite being a strong, independent woman in a relationship with a man I consider my equal, I've always been a sucker for lowbrow adult fairy tales about princes, millionaires, and celebrities falling in love with ordinary people. Blame COVID, but I've been watching more of this kind of content than ever before. Movies in this vein have included everything from Notting Hill to the Christmas Prince trilogy. And on TV, shows ranging from The Baker and the Beauty to The Bachelor. No, I'm not proud. (laughs) I'm sure you know plenty of other movies and TV shows in this vein. What should I watch next?
1: Oh, Diane, you're not alone in this. Hollywood has been making this story for as long as Hollywood has existed because people love the storyline. So no shame, no reason to be embarrassed. You say you're not proud. Go ahead and be proud. It's fine.
2: Totally. Yeah. Totally. Just
1: enjoy the fairy tale. I
2: completely agree.
1: Yeah. We all like fairy tales, right? To a certain extent.
2: I think that's exactly right. Um, I don't know. I think that's why you go to the movies in a lot of ways. I mean, yes, you go to the movies to see you know, uh, dramas and to see, you know, have, have questions raised and to wrestle with topics. But I do think that a big appeal of the movies is you want to go see a fairy tale. You want to go put yourself in a situation that you aren't in and live it and do all the things that you would want to do and, and can't do you know for for me that's usually shooting people that's why i like action movies <laughs> right and that's you know that's that's what you, that's why you go to the movies you want to see a movie god i wish i could shoot that guy yay i can go to that movie <laughs> right that guy that was
1: you really need to see psycho sister in law oh my god
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's you know fantasies i think fantasies are great i think it's i think it's i think it's all good um yeah and and you know i mean these things sell. These things sell like like wildfire, these kinds of movies, right? The, the 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 Prince and the Princess fairy tale. God, it just never gets old.
1: Never gets old. And uh I, I gotta take my hat off to you, Diane. That Christmas Prince trilogy, it just gets worse and worse with each movie. But yeah, of course <laughs> I've seen them all multiple times. Of course I have. <laughs> Only you would know that, Kristen. I've never even heard of that. Oh god, you would hate it, Rafer. Don't watch it. <laughs> Christmas Prince. <laughs> I love it. It's the princess fantasy and Christmas movies all in one. God, that's right. That's right. It's perfect for you. Boy, (laughs) incredible. (laughs) So, Rafer, what are we going to prescribe Diane here?
2: Well, I'm going to go first because I think your choice is probably going to be better. I, I went back to a movie that I... I don't know. Diane has probably seen this, um, uh, but it's, I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw it out there. I went back to the the classic and sort of a, a movie that I consider the epitome of this genre, which is Pretty Woman from 1990.
1: Oh my gosh, Reefer, I just rewatched this a few weeks ago because I was on a romance podcast and they let me pick the movie. Oh, okay. And I picked this movie because I love it so much. Yeah, I love this movie. <laughs> What's not to love? (laughs) Julia Roberts, has she ever been more delightful? I know. Uh,
2: Oh God, yeah, Pretty Woman. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I I saw a little bit of it recently you know, I was on a vacation with my kids, and there was a lot of TV on. And we were just kind of watching TV, and so we would. Uh, uh, oh, and we had um, Turner Classic Movies as well, which we don't have here at home. And so we we wound up kind of watching, running across movies in in, in uh, sort of mid movie the way you used to back when TV was more of a thing. Um, and I came across a little bit of this recently, but I haven't like rewatched it, rewatched it. But anyway. This is the uh, highly objectionable story of Vivian (laughs) Ward. She's a prostitute walking the streets of Los Angeles. Uh, She's played by Julia Roberts, of course. Uh, And of course, Richard Gere plays Edward Lewis. He's a corporate raider, very 1980s thing to be. This was 1990, so we're still coming out of the 80s. It still feels like the 80s. Uh, He's fantastically wealthy. He's so wealthy, in fact, um, and so pampered that he can't even drive a stick shift. And that's how he ends up. What a coincidence in the red light district of Hollywood. Um, and he does what anyone would do. He hires the prostitute to drive him to his hotel. I don't think that uh, excuse worked for Hugh Grant. I don't think it worked for Eddie Murphy <laughs> uh, when they got caught with a prostitute. But this is real. He just wanted her to drive his stick shift. So um, <laughs> they get back to his hotel, and they get along. You know, she's charming and funny, and he's handsome and rich. Why wouldn't they get along? And I think that's the that's the point where Vivian uh, sets down her famous rules. Right? She'll she'll sleep with you, but she won't kiss on the lips because they're sex, of course. But Vivian's waiting for love. Kissing is for love. Uh, and it's not too long before Edward and Vivian are spending a lot of time together, uh, they've got a little arrangement, uh, he is paying her, but, uh, you know, uh, he also enjoys her company. He's taking her out to these nice hotels and these fancy restaurants, and, you know, she could kind of get used to this life. And here's a clip. Yes, I'd like to hire you as an employee. Would you consider spending the week with me? <laughs> I will pay you to be at my beck and call.
0: Look, I'd love to be your beck and call girl, but... um You're a rich, good-looking guy. You could get a million girls free. I want a professional. I don't need any romantic hassles this week. If you're talking 24 hours a day, it's gonna cost you. Oh, yes, of course. All right, here we go. Give me a
2: ballpark figure. How much?
0: Six full nights, days to 4,000.
2: Six nights at 300 is 1,800.
0: You want days, too? 2,000. 3,000. Done. Holy shit!
1: <laughs> ah, yes. Highly objectionable. So many things wrong with this. And yeah. Yes you can't help but cheer for Julia Roberts in this. She seems like she's having a great time. And that's what makes this movie work, in my opinion, is that she seems delighted. She seems happy. She seems like she just won the lottery. She's smiling and laughing in every single scene. She's just a delight in this movie. And if anybody else were in it and uh, didn't have her effervescence in it, I don't think this would have worked. It would have been uh, not fun to watch. But she brings something to this movie that makes it just a joy. And it's hard not to cheer for her. It's hard not to think, yes, I want that pretty woman to get her prince. I want her to do whatever she wants.
2: That's totally right. That's totally right. I, one thing that's interesting to me about this movie is that it kind of has a similar history to Risky Business from like what, 1982 or three? When was Risky Business? Or earlier. But um, that's also one of my favorite movies of the 80s. They were both. They both started out. They're both about prostitutes. That prostitute is a central character. And they were. They were both supposed to be very dark. Um, Pretty Woman actually started Mm, out as a drama about like, Mm -hmm. like you know, sex workers and drug addiction in Los Angeles. And Risky Business is a dark movie. Like it's a dark comedy. But um, but the original ending was much more downbeat, much more of a downer. um, Mm -hmm. And the studio kind of brightened it up a little bit. But I always thought it was interesting that you had these two kind of iconic movies about sex workers that started out to be very downbeat, but w- wound up as like fun sexual fantasies um, in Hollywood. Um, I just thought that was kind of funny.
1: Yeah. And and I do appreciate that they don't actually get punished in the end for being sex workers. True. And, and that's part of what makes them delightful too, because I feel like there is a habit in Hollywood to punish women who uh, do sex work?
2: That is that is true. Um, and the other thing that's interesting is that I think risky business was really um, you know one hundred percent a male fantasy. Um, but this is really a female fantasy, I think. I mean, you could say this is also a, a, a male fantasy. I know that people like to try to put a feminist spin on this movie, but I always just think like, yeah, nice try. It's about a poor girl who gets whisked (laughs) away by a handsome, rich guy. And I know there's that famous line in the movie where it's at the end. I don't think I'm spoiling anything. And Julie Roberts is talking about how when she was a kid, she always liked the idea of the prince on the white horse coming to rescue her. Mm -hmm. And Richard Gere says, so what happens after that? And Julie Roberts says, she rescues him right back. And I just thought, like, yeah, that's just not enough to make this a feminist film, in my, in my opinion. And Julia Roberts can barely get that line out. She's like, she knows it's bullshit. Like when you when you see the movie, she's trying to say that with a straight face. She can't do it. I, I but I still get a kick out of that out of this movie. I think because it just. It's so unashamed, right? It's like, well, guys want a sexual plaything, and women want a rich guy, and here's a movie about that. <laughs> and they all <laughs> lived happily ever after. The end. <laughs> and so it's a lot of fun, I think.
1: Yeah, and they do actually have
2: really fantastic chemistry. One last thing, Kristen, have you ever seen the website that's called um, One Minute Screenplays? No. Or, or maybe it's called Maybe it's called Movie a Minute, but they they condense movies down into um, one minute. Uh, One-minute screenplays. There's usually only about um, three, three or four lines. And uh, Pretty Woman was this: Julia Roberts, "I'm a prostitute, but I won't kiss on the lips." Richard Gere, "I'm a millionaire." Julia Roberts (parentheses) smooch.
1: And that was it. <laughs>
2: they do that with all kinds of movies in there and they're actually pretty funny and pretty good if you can find it i think it's called movie a minute
1: oh my gosh that's so funny i'll have to check that out
2: (laughs) Kristen, what about you what about you what are you going to recommend this is this is this is totally your bailiwick right here, this this question.
1: Oh, I love the use of the term bailiwick. Nice. Yes, and it is.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: So I am choosing a very new series, which was on the BBC and is currently on HBO Max. It's called Starstruck. Do you know this TV show, Rafer? Not at
2: all. When oh. I think Starstruck, I think of the old movie.
1: Of course. So Starstruck is I think only five or six episodes and it centers on Jessie, a New Zealander living in the UK played by the hilarious comedian Rose Matafeo. Apologies if I'm pronouncing her last name wrong. She's Polynesian. I'm pronouncing it possibly right, possibly wrong. Anywho, she works a lot of odd jobs. She shares a flat with her best friend Kate. She has lots of fun with various guys, you know, one night stands, friends with benefits and so on. And then after a wild New Year's Eve, she realizes that one of those guys, Tom, is a famous film star. Their worlds could not be more different, yet they can't resist each other. It's like animal attraction. Here's a clip. When people see us together, it's like one of those you know weird animal friendship shows where you see a Labrador and a Hedgehog with friends, and everyone's like, oh, that's not right. That's weird. But OK, if it works for them, great. People don't think that. Obviously, you would say that you're the fucking Labrador. You are genuinely the most stressful person I've ever met. My darling, when are twenties 20s outrageous? You're a better a damn movie star and cast him aside like a plaything. I don't know if you know this, but you are incredibly famous. Thank you. That wasn't a compliment.
2: It's like fan fiction, but it's real. I'm not a fan, so. Well, it sounds like you were a fan.
1: Of his day. (laughs) Isn't this the premise of Notting Hill? Kind of. Only. It's the other way around. He's the famous film star, not her. Okay. (laughs) See, very different. (laughs) I'm
2: I'm sorry I even brought it up.
1: Very different. And I also just want to point out more ethnically diverse. Tom is British, but he's South Asian. And Rose, she's a Kiwi, but she's Polynesian. And um, so these are people that we get to see in this kind of romance who we don't always get to see in this kind of romance, right? And so that's a little bit of an added bonus there. But More than anything, I just think that people should watch the show because whatever comes out of their mouth is not the thing you think they're going to say ever. And it just keeps you on your toes watching it. Like, you think she's about to compliment him, but that's not a compliment. Hold on. I think she just insulted him. I don't know. Whatever comes out of their mouth, you just have no idea. And it's always so funny. It's just the most hilarious show. So watch it for the romance. Watch it for the ridiculous fantasy. But also just watch it for the outstanding writing. You'll be surprised every single line. Every single line, you'll want to pause it and just, like, rewind it and say, that sentence did not end where I thought it was going to end. That's
2: very funny. Is this show, um, you said it, You said it. oh, she's a New Zealander, but it takes place in the UK. Is
1: it, do you, is it a New Zealand show or is it a British show? It's a British show. It's a BBC show. Um, but she's, she's a New Zealander. Yes. Yeah, so she's a New Zealander. And there is a certain point where she is about to move back to New Zealand. And spoiler alert. Tom reappears at that point. Will they end up together? I can't say. I can't say. I'm not gonna say. Not gonna give it away, Reaper. I love it. I wonder
2: if that I, that's that particular kind of humor that you're describing. I wonder if that's a New Zealand thing. Do you know what I mean? Like Taika Waititi and
1: oh, he does it too. I just think he's so clever. I, just, I wonder. He's so clever.
2: Yeah, he's really good.
1: Yeah, and Flight of the Concords do it in their songs all the time too.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly. It just there's a. I just wonder if that's a sort of, if that's a. A national trait or something you know it might be all right cool I'll check that out and i I know I always ask you this uh, kid friendly it sounds like maybe not
1: there's some sex in it, and I don't know mm. how you feel about your kids watching the kind of sex that's in this, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, I'll think about it. Maybe I'll Yeah, I, I know everyone has a different threshold of what kind of sex they're Indeed. okay with their kids seeing. Yeah. Indeed. So
2: all right. I'll yeah. I'll give it I'll give it a preview. But that sounds really good.
1: Oh, it's so fun, Rayfer. It's so fun. Such great writing. So once again, those recommendations are from Rafer, the classic pretty woman, which is now at this point over thirty years old. God. And the much more recent Starstruck from twenty twenty one on HBO Max.
2: Well, Christian, and that is it for this week's episode of
1: Movie Therapy. Oh my gosh, it is time to find a psycho sister-in-law, go into that pool house, and just relax, right?
2: (laughs) Don't go into the pool house. No. Thank you to everyone who wrote in. We always appreciate it.
1: And thanks also to the Airwave Media Podcast Network, which we're proudly a part of. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to their other fine shows like Food with Mark Bittman and Ben Franklin's World.
2: Until next time, I'm Rafer Guzman. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks for listening, everyone.
1: Bye-bye.